Hey everybody, it's Chris Cannon here from Zeri Group. We have a real treat today. We're gonna to talk about CRM implementation and our participants are the experts at Zeri Group. So we have folks that have participated in well over a hundred very significant CRM implementations just in the last few years. Many of us have been doing this work uh, for decades. Uh, and we like to think that our approach to these implementations is helping our clients achieve success with their technology so they raise more money and build better relationships. We're gonna have a four part session today. So you might wanna to listen to all four of these podcasts over the next uh, couple of days as you're, you're tuning in. The first we'll talk through some selection and then we'll talk about readiness talk about the functional and technical details that uh, these CRM implementations require. And then lastly, how to get it to stick and stabilize and get people to really adopt it. So today we're gonna focus now on the selection and trends that we're seeing in the industry. And I wanted to first start with our colleague, Kate Nimity and ask her how do the organization she's helping and we're helping get ready to select. So Kate, what are some of your secrets, tips, and tricks around this? Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. I am, uh, I'm Kate Nimity. If you don't know me, I'm on the management consulting team here at Zuri Group. And um, we wanted to begin at the beginning and start talking about what preparation for a system selection might look like. Um, understanding the need for a new system, I think, is going to be the core and the beginning of the entire process. What are you really looking for? What will a new system solve for you? And what are, what are some of the issues that you have currently today that would trigger looking for a new system? Aside from that, you're looking also at the appetite to change. So it's not just about um, what's new and hot in the market, but also what your staff and what your users are looking for and how ready they are to start thinking about a new system. Do you have the buy-in from all the different departments in your organization? Do you have users who are ready to make a change? And, and thinking about that readiness is part of the preparation here. Outlining the vision is something that is going to be really critical and something that you'll hear, I think, throughout today's podcast. Articulating what it is you're looking for what are your expectations from a new system? Um, what are the metrics that you'll start to use to consider that new system a success? And if you're able to do that with your organization ahead of engaging in a system selection, it will prepare you so much for the selection process because you'll already have that sort of point on the horizon, that place that you're all rowing toward. Yeah, that's, that's real, I mean, really good points overarching um, that, that idea about the appetite for change I, I'm increasingly in change management is something that Kate is superb with I'm increasingly focused on that because these days we're seeing a lot of our clients feel like they kind of have to change they've been on an old system it, it's a foregone conclusion but that doesn't mean there's an appetite for the change right it doesn't mean people want to it doesn't mean they're not invested in the good work they've done in the past. So I appreciate those thoughts. I wonder from maybe uh, Ellen, if you wanted to jump in on thinking through those, moving from the pain points and the readiness and the vision component to the more of the nitty gritty of a selection process, what are the, the ways that you make sure that the selection is, is prepared well and then executed uh, really clearly? 
Well, thanks, Chris. So I'm Ellen Pappas. I'm also with the management consulting group here at Zuri. And, you know, a, a little bit um, depends on there's elements of um, organizations looking to replace their CRMs, as you referred to, sometimes it's a it's a necessity based on we've got a really old system and maybe it's being discontinued versus we've got an okay system, but we're, we've outgrown it and we're really reaching for new and bigger things. And some of those things make a difference in terms of a little bit of the preparation. So the basics might stay the same in terms of you're going to go through a process to make sure you understand how you do what you do today, what you're going to try to do tomorrow to document your requirements. And those requirements are going to not just be about functionality, but be around how you need to do your work, what you're trying to accomplish. But one of the things that I think is really helpful is you, you'll probably have some experts like us come in and help you document those requirements. But before that even happens, start looking around and actually being a little more thoughtful about how you live your day-to-day -day life. It's a little bit like if you were planning on building a house and you and your family are living in your old house, you might think over the next month as you're living in that house, how do we really do what we do? And do we make use of the laundry room? And where is the mud room for the kids' boots? And you, you really start thinking about how you're living your day to day. And you can overlook that when you're busy doing your fundraising and doing your operations and getting the gifts in and the receipts out the door. So giving a little bit of thought to actually, let's, let's be mindful about how we're doing our day-to-day -day work and what works really well so we don't lose some of that in addition to then, you know, we're going to document those nuts and bolts of our requirements and what we need something to do. Yeah, I love that idea. One of our clients is using that metaphor of building a house in terms of moving from the old to the new. And there's definitely that, that question of um, making sure that it's not technology for technology's sake, right? That it is something that will be used. If it's too flashy and you know, maybe too expensive, uh, we've seen some of our clients adopt things only to find out six months in that the per use item types of cost weren't budgeted for. And so they spun up something that they, they frankly couldn't, couldn't afford the second half of the year, right? You wanna avoid those kinds of missteps by really thinking through, you know, how are you really gonna use that? What about the, the, you mentioned requirements. Are there, like, tell us a little about the creation of the packet that goes to the vendors in the selection process. You, you and I and you know, others on the call have done that lately. What's key to keeping that you know, focused and, and having the right materials for a process like this? That's a great question because a lot of people focus on the functional requirements for the system. And I think that's really good and really important department by department, area by area, making sure that we capture the functional requirements. And as Kate referenced, you gotta have a vision. So they should be connected to and pointing towards this vision of what is our CRM vision. But beyond those requirements of, we need to make sure that we can do this for the annual fund or this for our foundation and corporations relations, there's also a set of understanding what your requirements are and what your appetite is as an institution for cutting edge, bleeding edge, do we wanna have, do we wanna be in a system where we can look around and see 50 other institutions exactly like us running exactly the same thing? Is that what makes us comfortable and in our comfort zone? 
Do we want to make sure that we are really on something dynamic and forward facing and maybe there's more risk with it, but that's great for us because we've got um, you know, an IT at our institution that'll really help us make something sing and hum, and that's how we are as an organization. Actually thinking through the requirements around what we need as an organization, what we're comfortable with um, from a technical standpoint, can help you make some of the core elements of the decision about, is this a platform approach? Is this a software approach? Yeah. Before you even go into then functional, do, do, does it check all the boxes for the annual fund, for example? In, in just today, and our colleague Ken Swift is here, might speak to this, we heard from a client that said, look, we just decided, we picked, we didn't do a selection, we didn't do the, the details necessarily that Ellen's speaking to. Um, and they made a pick based on some predetermined thing that trumped everything else. Anyhow, we've had other clients that have gone through, looked at, you know, maybe half a dozen options, done demos and lots of detail uh, to arrive at a decision. And it's, it's really what's culturally right for your organization for some, if it's a state program uh, or, you know, a state supported selection program, there needs to be very high scrutiny on the process. And in other cases it it can happen, you know, almost over a phone call, uh, in, in, in a way that is our role in many cases in, in those circumstances is to prove out, yeah, you're not missing the boat here. You know, do you, you know, the board decided we're going to go with X product or platform and, you know, you'll, you'll be fine. But here are the, here are the bumps to think about that you're going to run into. Ken, did you want to speak to that? Because you just had a conversation like that this morning, I think. Sure, absolutely, Chris. Um, hi, everyone. This is Ken Swift, uh, the president of the CRM and Technical Services Group here at Zuri. Uh, it, it is very interesting. It's oftentimes, a lot of organizations come into a selection process with a soft selected vendor in mind. Um, sometimes they're being completely objective. Other times um, there's decisions that uh, because of certain people that might sit on the board or experiences of senior leadership team or just the, the over, um, overarching cost, they come in with those solutions. Now, oftentimes they wanna benchmark that solution with other solutions in the market, just so even if they think that they can't afford a solution, they wanna see um, what is possible and what the trends are in the, in the industry. Um, but yes, you're right, Chris, oftentimes they do come in with um, a solution in mind um, that's might, it might not, it might be the, um, the dream solution for them, but it might not be the solution that they ultimately choose. Yeah, and, and I, I want Chris Pipkins to jump in here on this um, sort of trends we're seeing in the process and the way that you've recently managed a big organization selection, and they they made some predetermined decisions, right, Chris? They said, we, we actually, they did not include a particular vendor um, that may have been included but because they said, we're going to go platform first, so they, they just looked at platform solutions rather than proprietary things. And Chris, what do you think that's, is that a trend you're seeing or, you know, how would you weigh in on this uh, potential to just make a decision, maybe not being as detailed as Ellen was talking about And you know, how are the ways that you see us, Zuri sometimes, or others kind of protecting themselves and making a decision like that? Hi, this is Chris Pipkin, Senior Director of Management Consulting here at Surrey. I'm coming in with a, most of my career in practitioner and now the benefit of being a consultant who's helping clients select and implement. Um, in terms of selection and trends, the other some things, one, 
we want to think about this as roughly 20,000 hour to 25,000 hour project, right? That can be divided up. And the dividing that up is, is a key set of math in the, select, in the selection. I think that math helps you contextualize who the vendors are. I see two trends happening right now. We, we used to have these kind of system communities. You know, you'd go to the advance or you'd go to the Blackboard and maybe there was a third one, but now there's a lot of migration to a new country and being part of the club. Um, things to protect yourself are deciding who is the you, who, who is deciding if this is being done to you. Um, we have a client, for example, who's part of a system. They have a young staff and they are doing what the central IT essentially has set out. So that those are some of the things that I'm seeing in terms of what does a practitioner need to realize in a head of um, selection? Then mostly what's happening is you've got a choice between a form and function play, or you have a choice around a platform play. And in both cases, the significant thing is the for me, the difference between the vendor you're evaluating and the full ecosystem you need. I've been still wondering <laughs> what vendors consider implementation and what I consider implementation or I as a client consider because we need more and more, not the core product and not even what it's capable of doing, but we need to test those spokes coming out from the hub, whether that's data storage or reporting, um, information delivery or online engagement, things like yeah. that. So that's, that's point. those are some of the things I'm seeing. One, you know, if I were to sum it up, one, there's a shift in where people are looking Two, it's a form and function play. And three, there's a lot more to consider both from a staffing and toolkit than just core. I, you know, one of our, core value propositions is our objectivity, right? We, we work with every single application that our clients need us to. And I think part of what that's driven us toward is this notion that the implementation is actually way bigger than the conversion. The replacement of your database of record is really not the ball game. In many cases, that's the easiest part. It's the change management, it's the business process, some of which happens in that new system, some happens in some other new system, some happens completely devoid of technology, uh, but in order for the whole thing to be ad adopted, it has to be a much more holistic approach. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I'm being um, hyper, you know, I'm enlisting hyperbole here, but I almost think the selection and requirements gathering should say, give me your 25 most important reports. We're going to build backwards from there because the output is what 98% of the people will determine success on. Yeah, absolutely. And that whole notion of information delivery being a much more critical component of the implementation. And, you know, all too often, we, Zuri, have parachuted into organizations in a CRM implementation a month, two months before go live and started creating reports that someone, you know, should have been thinking about months ahead. And I wanted, therefore, to turn to Brendan Ferris 
because Brandon, I think of, of the team members here, you probably have parachuted into the most <laughs> CRM implementations in the last decade uh, to you know look around, see what's happening. Uh, we're going to get to some functional and technical questions in the next section, but when you're thinking about this selection and trends around selection, you know, what kind of guidance would you give an organization to, you know, direct and, and, and position them for success for the rest of the project? Yeah, thanks, Chris. This is Brandon Ferris, Senior Director of CRM Services at Zuri and um, former, formerly worked with major, for major software vendors and have been involved in dozens of implementations of different sizes and, and different, many, many different products. And from the selection standpoint, so that's a great question. You know, from my perspective, I think I look at an implementation as an opportunity for an, for a, an organization to transform the way it does business. And I think it's really critical to be thinking about that from the very beginning. And that starts with the selection process. An implementation is a, an enormous undertaking. And as, as was just mentioned, it, they're becoming bigger, right? It's, it's not just about implementing the CRM system. It's the other, it's the other pieces the, and the integrations to those other pieces. As organizations are heading more in this platform direction, you're getting into ecosystems and the challenges of selecting what's at the other end of those spokes. And so I think it's really critical to, to think about the opportunity that the, the implementation represents right from the beginning, right? If you go all the way back to the start of the, of the selection process and need to consider all the, the challenges and opportunities of an implementation right from day one. So for example, the change management piece, right? It's easy to think the change management starts you know, when you start implementing. But I, I would argue that change is so difficult for, for people and for organizations, but individually and even more so collectively, that, that the change management ought to begin right at day one. Right? And as, as my colleagues mentioned, talking about understanding the need. Right? And so understanding the need is part of the process of beginning to communicate what you need to communicate to prepare people for the change and to adopt. And, and so I, I, I think change management is such a difficult thing. People are so resistant to change that and it often, what I have found is that the reality of the change just doesn't really get real enough until, and we were talking about parachuting in, right? Um, building, starting to build the first report only two months before go live. And it's, it's, that's the point at which it gets real on every level for a lot of people within organizations that are implementing. And so in, there are a lot of ways you can do it. I think one of the most critical things to do is to start making it real as early as you can. And that can begin in the, in the system selection process, doing it holistically, understand, and Ellen talked about understanding you know, the way your house is functioning now, for instance. One of the interesting things you find is organizations that have been on a system for a long time doing things a certain way may have forgotten it's lost to history exactly why processes are being executed in the way they are and it's really critical to know why you're doing something to to get to the why to get to the objective so that when you implement a new system you can find the best solution and so that's so that exercise for instance to have people unpack what they're doing right now and get them thinking about their objectives and why right that's the start of change management because if they understand what they're actually aiming at, they won't be as locked in on how they're doing it. 
And that's going to, that will serve an organization well from that point forward when they, when they get into the implementation in particular. Sure. Yeah. And those of you who have heard Brandon speak or, or seen some of his writing, he talks a lot about legacy 2.0, which is the, the manifestation of not rethinking your business practice and just trying to recreate everything. Because uh, boy, it used to be great back in the old days in that old system. It's amazing how often we hear that. Um, and we really want to encourage organizations who are investing, you know, usually, you know, all in seven figures in these types of activities. Uh, you may as well make the most of it. I wanted to also ask Sam Amin to jump in here because he's actively working with a group that is is gone through really careful selection. There were a lot of, of audiences, right? There was a foundation and there's state consider there. It was pretty complicated. And just wanted you, if you wouldn't mind, Osama, to weigh in on the, you know, selection thinking, uh, and then specifically that last little bit, the actual contracting, if you have any advice or observations or if anybody else does. Um, and then uh, we're going we're gonna to move to, in the next podcast, talking about the, the actual, you know, you picked it, now you're ready, you're launching, et cetera. So Osama, you, you get the last word, unless other colleagues would like to jump in. Great. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Usama Ami. I'm also Senior Director for the Management Consulting Group here at Zuri Group. Um, it's a good question in the sense that with this particular client in mind, uh, it is a state institution. So when we were going through the RFP process and we were putting together the requirements gathering workbook, it um, ended up involving a wide swath of the university uh, to, to get to do that requirements gathering. And as we started looking into the various state rules and regulations um, involving the accounting team and the controller's office, uh, it quickly became very apparent that uh, two things. One was just simply some of the rules and regulations that we had to abide by, but also that something that I wasn't quite so intimately familiar with was the business processes. Brandon just mentioned on the why. So we really had to dig into not just the how-to and what the system would do, but in terms of why do we need to, why do they need to maintain their current business processes and practices? In some cases it was, well, we have to abide by the state rules and regulations. So that was one of those that we had to kind of incorporate into our requirements uh, workbook that we ultimately sent out to, our, to, our, uh, uh, to the RFP vendors. Uh, and the questions that came back were around, well, our system doesn't quite do this. And uh, what are, so we had to really delve into some of those uh, restrictions and some of the processes. So as we were putting together that, you know, policies and procedures, and, and as we are currently in the middle of that implementation, uh, when it came down to contracting, the, the, the legal and the general counsel of this institution poured over every single data, every single point of that contract, and it went through, I mean, I, I, I want to say eight, nine, ten different revisions. Uh, before before we had to select a before the so we were put to the test uh, our feet were held to the fire uh, and so the vendors uh, the vendor ultimately the, the vendor they um, they were aware of the, some of the state regulations but from a contracting position I I encourage anybody who's getting into working with a state institution that to do your due diligence is to really kind of cross all your t's and dot all your i's to make sure that that uh, and I had it was a learning experience for me as well in this yeah. case in particular state I wasn't so quite familiar with their rules um, to come to staffing to resourcing to administrative uh, staff and, and what are some of the what they were allowed to do what they're not allowed to do 
So I had to I had to quickly learn on my feet. So so do your due diligence. Make sure that you're aware of those state rules and regulations. Do some peer reviews. Go to other institutions within that within that state and find out what some of some of those uh, what those regulations might be. And now we're doing that. Now we're mid implementation, but we're still sort of now doing other peer reviews or the peer institutions to kind of make sure that that we're we're abiding by all of what what the state sure. will allow. Yeah, that kind of due diligence is important. Um, and I think actually Brandon had, remind me, Brandon, you had a, a thought around that. Uh, we were talking about just a few weeks ago. Yes, yeah, I mean, speaking um, about due diligence, I mean, one very concrete recommendation that I, I would have is, and it, this will sound obvious, but we, and I, I mean, I, we've seen some cases to the, to the contrary. And this is particularly important as many organizations are moving more in this direction of picking based on the platform rather than form and function of the of, of a particular system, with that platform mindset comes you get into the ecosystem model where you have to piece things together to have the whole thing, and it's really critical to make sure that all the major boxes are checked. And we and we've in fact worked with clients who have been hit with massive surprises. Um, over the absence of things that we would consider standard. So for instance, a higher ed client, you know, implementing, um, you know, a, a newer major platform based CRM system being told after the implementation was underway that they needed to implement middleware for integration, right? That's a huge thing not to have thought through upfront. Yeah, but definitely as we close out this conversation on selections, the trends we're seeing, there is a component of if it sounds too good to be true, make sure you ask other people first. Sometimes it is true, uh, but sometimes the entire selection isn't quite as holistic as you need it to be. And it's certainly something that, that we take great pride in, in offering really blunt, really objective advice to our clients that in doing so, uh, we think that, that we can help position those projects for success, which we'll talk about in a minute in term on the next podcast in terms of launching those new systems. So before we go, let's see if there's anybody else that would like to, to dive in with a last thought. Uh, one of the things too is, this is new technology stack in almost every instance. And how do you start to think about staffing that comes into implementing? How are you gonna resource? But also, do you have the depth or bandwidth or just uh, interest to shift from what is being used to, to what can be new and the possible. Those are some considerations, I think, to get the organizational piece. Absolutely. Yeah, Chris, I mean, in the last call I was on was, was about the future of philanthropy and fundraising, what technology uh, is necessary for that. And, you know, one of the core topics then is the war for talent, right? Like, how do you even get the right people in the room to do it? Because it's great to have something stood up for you, but if, if you don't know how to use those new tools, then it doesn't help as much. So we are going to sign off today on this podcast about how to best select and think about positioning your organization at the very early stages of a CRM implementation. We hope you turn in next time for our conversation about once you've picked it, once you've contracted for that, that new set of tools, uh, how do you get ready and, and launch and really position your organization for success? So thanks for joining and we will talk to you soon.